on this episode of The Jason Wright Show. Ideas run the world. Ideas are kind of the, the ideas are the maps by which we you know, create, create a framework to navigate things. And the framework for navigating the universe of food or nutrition that has come out of what you know we would we would label as fitness or you know the, that whole that whole thing, um, it's it's not a framework that actually fits the reality most people live in. Jason Wright Show listener, I want to become your personal performance coach. Are you looking to adopt the improve always and always lifestyle? Well, guess what? There's an app for that. Vitruvian Lab Training is your go-to resource for self-improvement and better living. With scientifically based methods, you'll learn how to improve physical longevity, form healthy habits, and set reachable goals that are easy to attain. And with this free app, You can even get personalized coaching right in your pocket and live training working directly with me. Based on the research of renowned human performance experts, I am dedicated to helping you not just live longer, but live better through training that's tailored towards success. No matter where you come from or what type of lifestyle you lead, I can help give you the guidance and tools necessary so that continual growth and development becomes part of your everyday life. Here's what you do. Go to the App Store and download Vitruvian Labs in either Google Play or the Apple App Store. Now, I want to tell you about my featured course that I've just launched. It's called Massively Transformative Habits. This course will not only give you the tools for understanding which habits to form, but I will give you the tools and strategies to make these habits lifelong behaviors. As a Jason Wright Show listener, you get a sweet deal. You get a $100 discount off the regular price of $499. That's over 20 hours of life-enhancing content for only $399 with massively transformative habits. Just use promo code IMPROVE at the checkout. Not only will you receive state-of-the-art, scientifically-backed instruction on human optimization, you will have live interaction with me as I personally coach you to help ensure you are getting the most from the MTH program. Sign up today and begin improving always in all ways. Now, enjoy the show. All right. Well, I am so excited to have my friend Joel Green back on the podcast. Welcome back, brother. How you doing, Joel? I'm doing fantastic. It is really good to see you and uh, happy to be here. Well, and it's kind of cool. Like I mentioned before I hit record, just so the audience knows. So the way I first met Joel, I read his book, The Immunity Code, which has become like a textbook for me. It's always at the ready. I'm constantly referring back to it. And, um, and so from that, I was so excited about what I learned. I took it to the next level and I took Joel's immune centric, uh, coaching course. And so I dove deeper. And the thing about what you teach in your protocols, Joel, is even after reading the book three times, going through the course, implementing a lot of it, there's still just so much. It's kind of one of those deals. The further you get from shore, the deeper the water gets. But, but I can say this. 
um, of all the talk that we hear now, because it's become really popular, and I've had many people on this podcast talking about health span versus lifespan, slowing the aging process, longevity, all these things. I Your approach to health, body fat management, and, and health at the cellular level is, um, I mean, you, you seem to be hitting things that are, I'm hearing a little bit of people talk about now, but not to the extent that you have. So to the audience, listen up. You're probably going to learn a lot of things that you never knew. So with that grandiose, you know, intro, dude, how, how are you doing? <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take that. <laughs> take that all day long. Yeah. No, I'm actually, I'm doing much better after hearing that. Yeah. Good. Good. So what's keeping you busy these days? Let's, let's go ahead and jump right in. I know that, um, you've got another book coming out. So here's my first question for you, Joel. So from, know how much of a were you surprised by the success or was it like yeah i know this is good stuff i know my i expected to sell a lot of books and and kind of get to the 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 more not notoriety that's the that's the wrong word but just i think you're much more well known now as a result of the meaning code were you expecting that um yes and no uh I, i i would have these episodes when i was writing it where I would stop and go and just some, something would kind of resonate in me. And I'm like, wow, I think this is going to really resonate with people. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'd have these other moments where, you know, I was taking a bunch of time to write it and, and, you know, feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm floundering. What am I doing? You know, spending all this time writing about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's kind of both. Um, yeah, no, I didn't, I don't think I, uh, I kind of like kind of did, but then, you know, the reality of it, living through the reality of it is something else. So, um, yeah, it's been great. It's been very blessed, well, <laughs> very blessed by it. Well, here's one of the things that I think is one of the, the, the central themes to the book. I, at least as I take it is you prepare your, your protocols and your description, your understanding of the human body, starting with gut health, getting the gut set reset, getting the gut biome, right? It, it, creates our body it creates in our bodies a better ability to adjust to and contend with the environment we all live in and i think a lot of people they hear that for example if this is what i tell people if you will do these protocols if you will understand how that the role acromancia plays in your gut and how how strengthening the gut lining what that will do for you, you'll be able to eat a lot more of the things that you like doesn't mean you can go out every day and eat, but what you prepare people for is real life. And as a matter of fact, you know, we had that, the guy that jumped on my YouTube channel after you and I spoke and, you know, he took what you were saying as, well, you can eat anything you want. And that's not the case. It's like, no, most people are living their life and they need the ability to eat what they want because they're going to go to anniversary dinners. They're going to go to birthday dinners. They're going to be on the road. And they're going to, and so instead of just taking the approach, like a lot of diets and fitness programs are, you know, mentally prepare yourself to never eat anything that could be harmful. I would say, and I want you to, you know, tell, correct me if I'm wrong. Your protocol is more of, no, we're in a habitat and we live a life now that you need to prepare your body for this 2023 environment we live in where there is fast food on every corner. We are working longer hours. We don't have the time to be in the gym every day. We're not out there roaming the Serengeti where our job is to eat, you know, like paleo diets all the time just because that's all we have. So talk a little bit about your philosophy from a high level of 
why it's so important to get our gut and then our overall body composition prepared for this modern day habitat in which we find ourselves. Well, um, I, I think the first thing I would say is that, you know, um, ideas run the world. Ideas are kind of the, the ideas are the maps by which we, you know, create, create a framework to navigate things. And the framework for navigating the universe of food or nutrition that has come out of what, you know, we would, we would label as fitness or, you know, the, that whole, that whole thing. Um, it's, it's not a framework that actually fits the reality most people live in. It doesn't fit that reality. And it didn't come out of that reality. It came out of the reality of people who that's all they do. That's all they do is, is, is their fit. That's what they do. They're, all their whole day is focused on that. I've had, I've actually had a bunch of people recently asking me about the blueprint guy and tell me about that guy. And what do you think about that? And, you know, the answer to that is, um, well, it really wouldn't matter what you were doing if you were doing it 12 hours a day. So if 12 hours a day, you were focusing on, you know, fitness or being fit or being healthy, you're going to be healthy. It doesn't, the protocol is not going to matter that much. You know, the time is the great variable there. But when you subtract time out and you take that number down to zero, basically zero, and now you're in a situation where you have to begin to um, parse out and differentiate um, the utility and the effectiveness of doing different things. Um, so like if you were to make a list of things you could do, like let's say there's 10 things I could do out of those 10 things, what's the one that would take the least amount of time and have the biggest amount of impact? That's that's now that once you do that, that begins to change the equation. Now you're, now you're getting into something that could work for most people. That's the environment I came out of. You know, I came out of an environment where I was running a company and, you know, really a lot of stuff didn't apply. So, um, as it applies to, um, as it applies to the gut, um, when, when we look at uh, just mechanistically, what is uh, most true about the body, there's this thing that happens when we eat, which is foreign matter comes inside the body. And then there's a selection process. Uh, that selection process means that foreign matter is going to brush up against some membrane somewhere. And then some decisions have to be made in terms of like, what are we going to take in? What are we going to keep out? Because that's a tricky, that's a tricky proposition. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things that if we let those things in could do harm to, to the, to the organism as a whole. And then there's other things that if we don't let them in could also do harm because we're not getting the nutrients we need. So all of that is ultimately um, a proposition for the immune system, but that's, that's essentially what the immune system is doing is it's making uh, decisions about what's good, what's bad, what to tag, what not to tag. And so in terms of like time and utility and return bang for the buck and all that, the, the first thing we'd want to address would be the immune system as it pertains to food coming in the body or rather foreign matter coming in the body and then getting into the body. Um, and that really we're talking about, you know, from the time food hits your mouth to the time that it leaves the other end, <clears throat> there's one big tube that all that food is running through and a bunch of decisions are being made about what, what to let in, what to let out. And ultimately, all of those things impact the rest of the or the rest of the body in some way or another. Everything else in the body is sort of being impacted by that. So, when I first started doing the gut thing back in 2007, um, my experience was I had come out of um, running a company, and I, I gosh, I I really put on a lot of weight. I had gone from 
uh, you know, like super lean to, to just big, like, like I was, I was like a lot of guys you see in the gym, you know, uh, big arms, big chest, big gut, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of everything's big, right. including the gut. Right. And, um, <clears throat> my experience was, um, in the process of leaning, leaning down from that, which was, I, I think I started at around 260 and then, you know, I came down and uh, over about a year, I came down to about 230. I was kind of stuck there for a really long time, stuck around 229 and just the needle wasn't moving. And then I did the, and then all the gut stuff kind of happened. And then boom, like overnight, like in a week, went, went from 229 to, um, to 212. And, and then I went and had my body fat measured and I was very, very, very low body fat percent. And that, that for me was, um, a big wake up call, really understanding like, wow, okay. Um, there are, there are things that we can do that not only, um, in terms of food that not only affect the gut, but they affect everything else. And in particular, they affect body fat and they affect it in a radical way. And then between then and now was really just a very long period of connecting the dots and trying different things on thousands and thousands of people and, you know, walking away with the very few things that took the least amount of time and had the biggest impact. And, And that's, Ultimately, that's really the thing that is going to make a difference for most people is the things that take the least time and have the most impact. So that's how I would explain it. So what was that first thing that you did and what, what tipped you <clears throat> off to start? I mean, I know that you, you, you go back years of just even whenever you were in tech, you were still a, a healthy guy. This goes back, you know, just people can go listen to our first conversation you know, that you've been experimenting with your body and health and wellness since you were a te- an early teen. Uh, but like, what was it that made you start to target the gut? And what were some of those early things, adjustments you made to where you were realized, wait a minute, I should look at this a little further. Well, one of them was, um, there, there was an article in 2006 that was published. And, um, so right about, right about 2006, um, I transitioned out of tech and, um, really I, actually there's, there's a kind of a, a, a little, um, a little, uh, sub sub line here, which is there's a, there's a massive trend of people who did, who were in tech and then they got out of tech and they're like, hey, now I'm going to do health that's my passion. <laughs> and so, um, and you, you would be shocked if you looked at the landscape of like today, nutrition and biohacking and all that. And you'd be shocked. Like there was this very small pool of people. Most of them knew of each other one way or another that wound up doing what we're doing today. Um, and they all, and it all traces our roots back to tech and it's, it's a very surprising list of people. But, um, so right about 2006, I, uh, I had read this article and I was doing tons of research because I, I want to, I was starting this website and I was researching like crazy. And I came across this article by Dr. Jeffrey Gordon talking about the gut biome and, you know, and, and that was really kind of the first posit about like, uh, the lean phenotype bacteria and all this stuff. So I was really interested in it. And then, um, I, um, had some articles published, uh, on, on weight loss and the gut bacteria. So it was kind of just there. It, it was, it was there as a thing. And really it just, it led to me doing what uh, I think in my book is called the daisy cutter. So, um, and that was a, that was a turning point for sure. All right. So that's one of the things funny before, um, before we got on today, I was watching Bo Berman at uh, Layer Origin, who has oh. uh, you know doing a video on uh, the Daisy Cutter diet. And so, before we get, I do, and it's funny because I wanted to bring up the Daisy Cutter just because I think it's one of the most effective, you know, kind of, I don't know, I guess re- gut reset protocols that people could do. So I want you to talk about it and why it works. But before we get to that, <coughs> so, so you meant, you've mentioned a couple times immunity and the role it plays and how important it is. And I don't think a lot of people, whenever they're thinking about gut health and then they're thinking about getting, 
getting in shape, losing weight, which I know that's something I'd love for you to talk about too, because I think, think a lot of people think, well, if I just get lean and do a lot of cardio, if I just lose weight, then I'm, I'm healthy, right? But I don't think a lot of people understand that they, the, the strong correlation and connection to immunity and aging. So if you could, in, in your professional way, kind of help the listener understand the importance of going back to what you were talking about, what we let into our body and what we keep out with regard to, I, I would think that would be the, the red team, blue team, macrophage comp, uh, conversation, and then why that helps with our immunity the, whenever we start to manage inflammation and then what inflammation has to do with the aging process and then take it, if you want to, into those fat cells and healthy fat cells versus inflamed fat cells. Because again, I think a lot of people, until they've heard your message and understand how immunity plays such a strong role in body fat management as well as the aging process, they think as long as I just eat less and exercise more, stay in a calorie deficit, that I'm healthy. But that's not the case if you're looking at health span, you know, and really going for longevity. So kind of tie those things together to give the, the, the listener an understanding of that roadmap. Yeah. Um, well, let's, <clears throat> so there's a lot of different theories about aging. You know, there's, there's no one consensus piece of it. And if you listen to a lot of podcasts, what can happen is that you will um, hear kind of a, you'll hear a segment uh, of the, of the story, and that it's very easy to buy into that and think that you know, well, well, that that's the answer. This one thing is the, is the answer, and it's not. Um, it and it doesn't matter if you're talking about methylation or if you're talking about uh, you know uh, telomeres or whatever you're talking about. Um, aging is a multifactorial process. There's number multitude of things that contribute to that process, and it's very difficult to pin it down to any one thing. Um, <clears throat> the simplest way to understand it is decay. That is what aging is, decay. And when we look at like um, as a whole, what is the thing that we see decaying, then, then there's some suspects we can kind of come to. One of the things that we see decay is the, um, is the ability of cells to do what they do. And, and so cells do a number of things. Um, they, their cells are an amalgam of many technologies. They're, they are uh, a power plant. They are a 3d printer. They are a structural unit. They are, um, they are messaging systems. They are computers they are all those things in one. And so when cells begin to lose their ability to just be viable and uh, as a whole across the body, uh, then, then we can say, well, yeah, aging is definitely taking place. And so when we look at like, well, what's, what's contributing to that? Um, it isn't any one thing. It's a lot, lots of things, but there are some, there are a few, um, there are a few suspects that stand out a little more than others. And in the immunity code, um, I highlighted a couple of mechanisms. One was, uh, called the macrophage, which is a, essentially think of it as a white blood cell. Um, and there's, there's kind of a couple different types. So when these blood cells are, or when these, when these, uh, when these cells are in the blood, they're called monocytes and they migrate out into the tissues. And then we call them macrophages. We just change the name. But what's interesting about macrophages is that the sheer numbers of certain types are going to create a lot of signal strength are going to create a lot of uh a lot of inflammatory signals and those inflammatory signals um seem to act in a kind of a viral way they seem to propagate they seem to spread their signature out so a good example is with body fat um, what we see in the obese is they have 10 times 10 times the inflammatory macrophages that lean people do and so what you get from that 
is you get this signal strength going on. You get all these inflammatory mediators, um, key signals that are sort of propagating and recruiting. And, and one thing that um, one thing that immune cells do is uh, really two things: is they recruit and they adhere. So they stick to things and they call other things in. And and uh, in our coaches course, we we kind of talk about it like a SWAT team. You know, that's what SWAT teams do. The SWAT team can recruit more more cops into the picture. And so immune cells, particularly macrophages, have this ability to sort of mobilize and recruit. And if you think about it, that's 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 kind of like essential. Like if you get a cut, you know, immune cells need to adhere, they need to stick to that region, and then they need to call in other resources. And then you get really inflamed, and, that, and that's how the problem gets fixed. And then, you know, and then the inflammation needs to resolve. But what happens in the aging process is in a sense, aging seems to work similar to an injury that just won't heal. And so instead of going into the resolution phase, it just stay inflamed and you get more inflamed and get more inflamed. And then that becomes a real problem. And so there, there's, some, there's some key inflammatory mediators, some key signals, uh, some key groups of signals that when, when we begin to see them across the board, they affect a lot of things. One of the things that they affect is the metabolism within immune cells. And so within immune cells, um, what we see is that macrophages need to very often, when they're dealing with a problem, they run off cancer cell metabolism. So they switch over into what's called glycolysis. And when they're running on cancer cell metabolism, then what happens is they can take the mitochondria, they can turn them off, and they can use them as a gun to, to shoot basically like free radicals at things. And, and, and so that's a good thing. But when this sort of signature um, with age gets out of control, then a whole bunch of bad things can happen. And it really just accelerates the aging process on a number of fronts. And so there's, a, there's something to the, the, the weight of the inflammatory signal strength, or I, you can call it the inflammatory gravity, so to speak, that happens when you have populations of inflammatory immune cells that become imbalanced and grow, particularly in key tissues like your body fat. Well, then... Um, those tissues act as a as a vector, so to speak. They act as a fulcrum. They they shift the equation of the whole body. And so, for this reason, when you look at obesity, <clears throat> obesity very much mimics aging. Like 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 when you go down the list and you look at like obesity, you see a lot of the same things in obesity that you see with aging. And it really it's due to this sort of um, inflammatory milieu or the collective signal strength of all of the things that are inflaming your fat and. And then the net of that is it inflames the vasculature and then the muscles get wonky and all this stuff. So, but all that comes back to really populations of key types of cells and the signals that they're, they're emitting. And so that's kind of, um, I tried to keep it out of the, out of the big words for that one, but that's kind of a, an overview. So let me, I want to test a, an analogy on <clears throat> that I've kind of come up with. Cause like I told you for, uh, some of the teaching that i I want to, you know, deploy that I've, I've learned from you. So I've used this analogy. So essentially M1 microphage, which is the red team, the SWAT team that they come out. It's like a, like a firefighter. And the first thing I tell people whenever I'm talking about the red team is like, whenever the fireman comes to put out a fire, look at how the fireman is dressed. He's carrying an ax. Probably he could care less about your carpet or your front door. That's what the ax is for. He's just looking to come in and get things contained no and, and doing some and so so essentially the red team is going to have to probably do some damage as part of the repair 
But then after that happens, then the M2 macrophage, they'll come and they'll clean up the mess after the fire has been put out. But if the firefighters continue to hear these signals that there's still inflammation, they will keep putting out a fire until the house is just completely destroyed and there's nothing left. And then they're like, okay, where do we go next? Because we hear another siren and they're, and they're constantly being called to these fires instead of if we go back to our gut and go, wait a minute, the firefighter, we don't need a firefighter for this one. And it's, we just need the blue team. We need these M2 microphages to come in and just do some cleanup as opposed to doing more harm than good in an effort to repair. So I'll stop there. Am I kind of on the right track with that, Joel? Yeah, I think that's a uh, a useful analogy. It's a, okay. it's a useful way to help people get their arms around it. I mean, as with all things in the body, these analogies only go so far. Exactly. And, and the complexity of the body always defy, like there's a point at which the analogy breaks, yeah. you know, um, but th- these are useful, I think, just to help people understand uh, the weight or the importance that, that a very few types of cells can have over the whole picture. And it's not to say that it's the whole picture, but it's to say that um, going back to the analogy of uh, time, if we had a little bit of time and, and only one or two things we could do, what could we do? Well, maybe what we could do with a little bit of time is focus on getting rid of some of these inflammatory macrophages. Maybe we could do that with our time. And that's a new thing. That's not, you know, until the immunity, the immunity code came out, that that had never, ever really been talked about. That had been talked about in, in immunology circles, but never kind of as a, a thing that people could do, you know, to, to begin to understand that, well, I, I could I could work the buys today, or I could work on um, getting rid of some of these inflammatory macrophages. And so, yeah, that's a very good analogy. It, you know, it's it's very difficult to classify um, when we really get into this, the, the classifications of macrophages get, it, it gets mind boggling, you know, in terms of like, um, it, like the latest, the latest and greatest is trying to classify them by, um, by, by cluster of definition, calling them like, you know, uh, CD138 macrophages, CD72. But, but generally speaking, that, that I think gets the message across that uh, there are macrophages that inflame. And when you have too many of them, uh, it's like having too many people on one side of the ship that can sink the boat. So that's, yeah, that's a okay. good way of looking at it. All right. So get going with that a little bit, going back to the gut, knowing that we don't want to have, I guess, you know, in other words, to make sure that we don't have too big of a a team come on too small of a fire that starts in the gut, right? This is where we start to seal the gut so that only the, the right amount of M1, you know, macrophages come out to, to handle the problem versus the blue team. So start to talk about how that kind of works at the gut level. Cause when we, I think whenever, like one of the things that people kind of, I can see their eyes glaze over and I start talking about steering <laughs> macrophages, you know, that they, just, yeah. they, they don't understand. Yeah. Steer, what do you mean? So what you talk about? Yeah, well, exactly. They just kind of, that's where I can, that's where it's really tough. And so I'm still looking for that perfect analogy to try to get them started on that. Uh, but so kind of talk about how, whenever we do that, whenever we do, instead of going and just like, because I love, and I know we'll get to this, you can, if you know how to make your body most optimized, then you don't have to work out as much because your body is better prepared for what it's about to do. And for example, like you said, instead of going and working buys, why not understand how to just eat more efficiently to work with what you have? Uh, so let's go back to the gut and talk about what is what does this actually mean whenever we're trying to steer those macrophages mm-hmm. so that we mm-hmm. don't end up with that obese inflamed body? Mm-hmm. 
Well, the, the greatest concentration of macrophages in the body is uh, in the gut. It's actually just below uh, the gut lining. It's called the lamina propria. And it should be because that's where food is coming, foreign matter is coming in. And so think of it this way, like, you know, uh, imagine North Korea and whenever um, North Korea kind of mobilizes, you need a really big you know, response ready to go. And so in the gut lining, just below uh, the gut, there's this layer of tissue that has the greatest collection of macrophages in the body. And it's there for a reason to protect you. So for example, um, <clears throat> what you see in obesity, what we see with a lot of different uh, issues, gut, dys gut dysbiosis, um, Crohn's, a whole bunch of things. What we see is that the integrity of the gut lining becomes compromised. And so as, as different things penetrate into the body that shouldn't get in there, um, for example, uh, different types of cell wall fragments, uh, peptidoglycan or um, lipopolysaccharide, as these things get into the uh, penetrate into the gut lining, into the lamina propria, there's a response immediately. And that is from the macrophage layer to mobilize and begin to defend the body against these things that shouldn't be there. So the inflammatory macrophages spin up. And then, you know, it, it's, uh, I think it made the analogy before, it's a bit like a car chase. Mm -hmm. So as, as these things penetrate into the body and they circulate around in the circulation, they are leaving a trail behind them, an inflammatory trail, and they like to find body fat, uh, like, like polysaccharide loves body fat. And when it gets into your body fat, it, it sort of brings the macrophages with them. And so then you wind up getting these, these imbalances um, in your body fat of inflammatory macrophages. So this changes the game because in an immune-centric approach, we're just looking at how things really work. That's all. And so what we see is an immune-centric approach. Wow, um, this whole fat loss thing is actually starting way, way back here. It's, it's starting back here in the gut. That's where it's starting, uh, particularly for people who have weight loss problems, for people who are obese, uh, people who have you know uh, issues losing weight. Um, we have to fix, fix the gut first because if we don't do that, then these sort of inflammatory mediators that are inflaming fat, making it so hard to lose body fat, are just going to keep doing their thing. And so the idea of quote unquote steering macrophages just refers to we've got to begin to do a number of things. One, we got to seal the gut, heal the gut, stop stop the invaders from coming in, and then we got to get these populations down of the of the people that are sending the inflammatory signals because when when you're really inflamed like that, it's very hard very hard to lose weight, very hard to lose body fat, and that's the problem a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of obese people have is that it's it's very hard for them to drop body fat, and one of the reasons is macrophages. Yeah, and well, yeah, because you're trying to, I guess, again, it's like trying to fill up a swimming pool, you know, taking buckets out of the deep end and put it in the shallow thinking you're going to, you know, fill yeah. it, it just doesn't, doesn't really work. All right, yeah. so, so, all right, that being the case, so let's talk about getting into the specifics now, the, the two-day core is what I know, that's what I learned from the immunity code, obviously I've gone into mm -hmm. it, but even before we really start the two-day core, there's a protocol to, to get the acromantia, the bifidobacterium, all this stuff to to get to that healing of the gut so give this audience an understanding of okay joel i get it i'm fat i'm, I'm obese you're, you're saying i'm inflamed i'm going to age faster and instead of going and signing up at a crossfit box or or whatever you're telling me what i really need to do is start by focusing on my gut all right what do i do yeah, so um, it's a fairly simple protocol, um, it, and it it's something that I had um, 
a number of years and and tens of thousands of people quite literally to work it out on to kind of figure it out um going back to um the the mid mid to late 2000s um where i had a software and we were um doing engagements and our class our clients were uh like big cities and um it's, uh, big companies and hospitals and things like that. So had a lot of people going through and using, you know, and was able to really kind of do a lot of trial and error rapidly. And so what it basically distilled everything down to was a very simple set of things that worked on the vast majority of people, which by the way, there's um, just to do a quick segue, we'll come back to this. Um, so the, the book I'm writing right now is, is about diet and it's, it's, um, uh, one of the problems we have with with diet as, in general is that it's just broken as a concept. I mean, we we we, we cannot even. It used to be that we could define a, a healthy, balanced diet. That was universal. We all knew what that was, and you can't do that anymore. Like you can't even define a healthy, balanced diet because you have so many factions and tribes that would completely disagree. So that's and that's even being talked about in science papers. That uh, hey, well if we if we can't define what a healthy if we can't define what a healthy diet is, then how can we achieve sustainable health? That's kind of a problem, right? So um, one of the um, one of the problems that we get into when looking at ideas that surround diet is is different ideas that have really confused people. One of the ideas is well, there's just no there's no there's no diet there's no right diet. Yeah, everybody's different. There's no right diet. That that idea. What you find. Actually, when you really break that down, is that there are commonalities that are common to everybody. I mean, it doesn't matter who. Like, example would be like everybody needs adequate vitamin D. Okay, um, pretty much the same two bacteria seem to produce benefits in everybody, um, and we can just go down the list. There's a lot of commonalities. What you'll find is that eighty percent, ninety percent of the horsepower to make massive change is in the commonalities. It's not in the individual things. What you find with the individual things are t- typically food allergies, things like that. And even that is not set in stone. You can change those just based on the gut. So um, all that to say, what I personally witnessed was um, with you know probably about 16,000 people but prior to 2014, 2013, um, these protocols using them on literally that many people and seeing the results and seeing like 85, 90% of the people responded very well. There was always, you know, going to be 10, 15% that they didn't respond to. And that's, that's, that's the way things should work. But by and large, vast majority of people worked really well for, and basically it's really simple. Um, what we're doing essentially is just, um, resetting the gut to, um, it's like, it's like hitting the reset switch on the settings on your computer. So (laughs) when you came into this world, there were some settings you came in with. And then over time, they kind of, the dials got pushed kind of, (laughs) you know, in the wrong direction. And so the basic idea is we're resetting it. And, um, there's a lot of copycats who have, um, kind of tried to, you know, take the immunity code and, you know, make some money off it. And the problem with that is it's all one thing. And typically with copycats, they're always like three, four steps behind. So there's a lot of really bad information out there um, on this stuff. And um, what I would tell people that are interested is like, if it's not coming from the immunity code officially, I wouldn't listen to it because it's just going to be several steps behind. It's going to be wrong. It's going to be missing. And the stuff I'll tell you here about this um, is, is that it all works with other things. Everything is one thing and it all works together. The diet works with this. It all works together. But the basic thing is... Um, for about 10 days. Um, originally it was 20, but, but now I've, I've refined it down to it's about 10. And we're just going to throw a few things at the gut. Um, one of the things we're going to throw at the gut are um, 
specific types of anthocyanins and polyphenols. And these are food for two key bacteria, bifidobacteria, acromantia. And then we're going to throw um, human, mil human milk oligosaccharides at the equation here, um, HMOs for about 10 days. And HMOs are these um, essentially, there are these uh, sugars that we get in mother's milk, and they jumpstart the immune system and they feed the right bacteria. And it's very much like breastfeeding. Um, so what we're doing is kind of replicating breastfeeding for just a little bit. Now, the thing with breastfeeding is you're not supposed to do it forever. Um, you do it for a little while and then you stop it, but it, it sets the immune system up. And so we're kind of bringing that back into the picture for, uh, for a fixed period. And then periodically you can go back and just kind of retune it, re-ups it. One of the, one of the issues that um, we've seen in the marketplace is, is, is people trying to make money off HMOs and they want to sell them to you and get you to use them all the time. It's not something you should use, you should be using every day. You like you didn't breastfeed every day growing up. So the right the right place for this is to reset the gut. That's where we do it. And then apple skins. Um, apple skins uh, have a number of things going for them. They have um, these incredibly huge polyphenols that ferment in the gut. They actually get kind of stuck in the cecum and they help acromantia and bifidobacteria do their thing. And so basically with this protocol for roughly about 10 days, um, we help to recolonize the entire gut. The other component um, that's in the picture now is using uh, glycine and um, NAC. And so glycine is incredibly healing on the gut. Um, aminos are very, very healing. And then NAC really goes at the biofilm. So all these things together um, essentially just reset the gut and they do it very, very fast. And it works for the vast majority of people that do it. So. How should okay. I how okay. should I get my glycine? That's one of the things I haven't added yet, Joel. Did I just I get in a supplement or Jello or how how do I take it? Yeah. So um, the way the way that for the longest time, um, so in my in my old software, uh, which was a, a, a nutrition software, glycine um, was in there as you, know, you do it at bedtime, do it in the form of Jello. And that was kind of the way that that we did it. We, you know, there weren't really like a lot of supplements for that kind of thing. And so, the 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 standby is and always has been just Jello, and and that's a great way to get it. And it, you don't have to you know pay anything for it. I mean, very inexpensive to do. Um, I use the no cal five cal Jello when I'm going to do that, and uh, it's also really good when you're when you're dropping body fat. Glycine's glycine's great for a number of things. It's great at bedtime, helps you sleep, helps you lose fat. Um, glycine with NAC uh, is one of the it, it probably as important as nad for longevity it's been shown to reverse a number of hallmarks in aging um it, so in our coaches course um there were just a lot of scenarios where we were using glycine nac akg all these things and i finally you know, just put it together in a product and came out with what's called young body which is taking all of that stuff all of the most effective longevity supplements and putting them together in massive doses and so that's an easy way to get it um you know but you don't have to do that. You can just simply just do glycine and, and just do it in the form of Jello. Which, by the way, mentioning um, Young Body, I want to put a link to that in the show notes because it, it, whenever I first started reading the Immunity Code and even whenever I was taking the, um, the course from you, it can be pretty overwhelming. So I was so glad to see you put that product out. I haven't bought any yet, and I need to do that because it just I'm working through all of my library of supplements. And that can be overwhelming. And again, you know, if you if you put some resistance out there, that will stop people from doing it. You know, you got to make it as easy as possible. And you've done that with Young Body. So I'm excited about that. 
one of the things you know I've probably been doing too much of Joel. I've probably been taking the HMO powder for too long. I, I put it. I get mm-hmm. to put it in my coffee, and I and so when I do in the morning, and so oh yeah, I need to. I need to probably yeah back off yeah. there for a while. But ten days, yeah, that's is probably about the yeah right. Now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 why I just when it comes to the immunity code, it just do, like stay away from the copycats because it just they just it's just yeah, it's not yeah. going to be good. <laughs> yeah, the, the problem with acromancia is acromancia um, eats the gut mucus lining. That's what it does, and so um, it's a hormetic thing where it eats the gut mucus lining, so you get a response. You get this upgrade in the mus two genes and it's thickening of the gut mucus layer. Okay, and that's great. If you have too much acromancia, the opposite happens and you wear the gut lining out. Mm. And we, you see this with starvation. You see this with excessive fasting. You see this with a number of different uh, things, a number of different ways you can do this. You can get too much. And it's like anything else. You know, like, like the case I made in the immunity code was that uh, the highest truth of health is just, is just balance, is mm-hmm. just you know, moderation. Mm-hmm. And doing too much of anything is probably not going to be a good thing. So, um, and that, that's the problem you get into. So um, it's it's always there's always going to there's always going to be this kind of thing happening. You know, when something comes out, people want to you know make some money off it. But um, there's a proper way to do things, and, and very often the proper way to do things doesn't line up with. Uh, in fact, I have uh, an HMO product coming out here finally, um, and I could have come out with it like right away if I wanted to, but um, th- 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 it's tough to make a business case for it mm-hmm. um, because you you use it up front for like ten days and then. The way I've structured it, I've added some other things. So, you know, like the business case is you can use it once or twice a week. Well, that doesn't sell a ton of product, right. telling somebody to use it that way. And so it took me this long um, to create revenue streams from other sources where I could just subsidize it yeah. and just sell it at a, at a loss. And and that's the right way to do it. So that way you're using it um, in the right amounts, the right timing, the right everything. And, and that's kind of the way to, to do it. One of the things that you've touched on, I want to get into, okay, so now we've gotten into kind of the, the starting protocols. And by the way, for the listener out there, get the immunity code. It's it's there. He Joel, and now I'm really excited because I'm sure as the author, you probably heard the feedback. So somebody like me, I geek out on this stuff. So I'm able yeah. to follow and kind of, but yeah. I can see how somebody picking up the immunity code, it, it's yeah. like a textbook. And so they're like, yeah. it, I, the fact that you're putting together the immunity code diet, so it's, I, yeah. I, which I'm just uh, assuming is going to be laid out. So, to, okay, here is kind of like the, the paint by numbers. <laughs> here is how you do it. I think, but even before that, uh, to the listener, grab the immunity code and start understanding this because the next phase that I think is so important for people to hear, even from a psychological standpoint, Joel, going back to what you were saying about, well, you could go work out your biceps or you could start to work on, you know, your gut lining is making sure that you have an anchor meal. Whenever you move into, you go from repair into the two day core and start to be more as keen on not missing. Like for me, I'm not going to miss my big bowl of dark berries on Monday any more than I'm going to miss my, uh, cardio, my zone two cardio session that afternoon for, for 45 minutes to an hour. It's that important. And I think that helps people understand that the immunity code, what you tell people whenever you get them to understand the value of an immune centric diet is it's not about fasting all the time and mil- missing meals. No, it's about making sure you eat when you need to. You just eat the right things at the right time. So it's like the the what, the when, and the how that you talk about a lot that I think 
is has been the missing component. So now that we've gone through kind of, okay, now we're getting our gut reset, like the computer. Now let's move into the, the two-day core, and either with the, the anchor meal that Monday or whatever. You kind of tell people just the basics. I mean, they can go get the book and they can figure it out. I'll put plenty of notes because I want people to understand this, but what happens next from the feeding protocol that you initiate? Oh, and real quick, and I'm sorry I keep going, but I just I, I don't want to miss any of this. I think another thing that's really good for people to understand, I know that you'll reiterate this, is meals don't happen in a vacuum. It's not like you just eat breakfast and that has nothing to do with lunch and lunch has nothing to do with dinner. That's one of the things that you taught me through the book and through the course that was an eye-opener. It's like, no, everything is a sequence. That's that's the way the body works. And you mentioned it earlier. From the time it goes in your mouth to the time it goes out, there's a long time frame there. And what comes before and what comes after impacts what you, you know, it all works in conjunction. So with all that rambling, in spite of all that rambling, Joel, now let's kind of go into the two-day core and take that to help people understand. Yeah, so um, the, the best way to understand it is that the, the body is essentially like a floating point equation. You know, it, it's an equation. You have equations have variables in them. You know, you got this variable, this variable, this variable, this variable. And if you change one, then you change the equation. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you're always doing that with the body. And so food, the input of food is always changing the variables. Um, and the this is this is. Uh, this is actually hard science too. Like, like there's this whole science now of looking at meal to meal sequencing and looking at finally now like awareness coming uh, to things like GLP one and you know like how we're affecting these key hormones meal to meal and sequence to sequence. So um, basically, the the um, the diet for the immunity code is just simply ten years beyond anything, and and it's it's. I've done a poor job of conveying how far beyond anything it is. And I'm not saying that out of hubris. I'm just, I'm saying that out of like, I, I like, I know, <laughs> like, I know, I know, like, I know how these, I know how these sort of diets today are structured. All diets today are basically stuck 10, 20 years ago in the past. They're stuck on one thing and that's what are the good foods and what are the bad foods? That's what they're stuck on. And that itself is a flawed premise because um, at, at the core you can make a really good case. All foods are toxic. I, I, you could give me any food, and I could argue either side of it that it's that it's either health promoting or toxic, and I could be very convincing. Like like you, if I wanted to argue meat is is life saving, I could do that. If I wanted to argue meat is toxic, I could do that, and I could convince you either way. And that's because the truth is uh, that both sides are true. That all foods have elements to them that are beneficial and nourishing and life giving, and all foods have elements to them that you could say are toxic. Um, if you get too much. And so all of this leads us um, back to what has always been really true, which is what we got away from for a long time here. And that is, we just drifted. We drifted into this idea that the way you're going to get to health is through restriction and and imbalance of your diet. In other words, if we are going to... um, the closer we get to mono diets, the more we we do food exclusion, that's how we're going to get health. And that's the exact opposite of what's true. And that's never, ever been true in the history of in the history of humankind. It's never been true because all of these really stupid narratives that people have bought into about what our ancestors did, none of them have factored in um, scarcity into the equation and necessity and, and scarcity and necessity um, are intractable variables um, in the way humans have always eaten. Always, always been. It's only now. It's only now in this era that we've eliminated scarcity, uh, and so you can eat to your preferences. But historically, human beings have never been able to eat to their preferences 100 percent of the time. 
You always had to eat outside your preferences half the time because there wasn't anything else to eat. And if you watch like a survival show, you'll see what people do. I mean, they'll eat things they would never, ever eat, but they do it just because they have to. Well, there's huge, massive benefits to that because by doing so, nature forces upon you nature forces upon you variety and diversity in the diet and variety and diversity have massive benefits, um, eating outside your preferences. So basically with the diet, um, that's, that is in the immunity code, I really kind of took, uh, about 30 different things and integrated them into one thing. And so I'll give you an example. Um, so, um, a lot of talk right now about GLP-1 and, you know, Ozempic and, oh my gosh, you know, semaglutide, oh, these are miracle things, right? So since 2012, this has been part of the picture. Um, it's been part of the diet that I've been um, helping people to understand. And basically the way that it works is we begin with the gut and the right bacteria will stimulate GLP-1 receptors in the gut. Okay. So they will prime the body for GLP-1 secretion. Okay. Um, then the next piece of the equation is, so if you prime the right bacteria, um, you're, you're stimulating GLP-1, you're priming the body for, um, for GLP-1 activity to, to have more sensitivity to that. But really, that's, that's a sub-discussion of the bigger picture of insulin. That's, that's what it is. It's making insulin work better. So you can't just talk about GLP. You have to talk about insulin itself. So with insulin itself, um, you have to stimulate it directly. Okay. Um, if you stop stimulating insulin directly over time, you know what happens? diabetes. That's what happens. And you can prove it. There's tons of research out there that shows this. So what happens is you go on your high protein, low carb diet. Mm -hmm. And over time, uh, what happens is a number of uh, mechanisms uh, essentially either attenuate or downgrade. And what you'll see is that um, peripheral um, glucose uptake sensitivity for it decreases. And all of these different changes begin to happen with gluconeogenesis in the liver. And essentially what happens over time is you get insulin resistant. Okay. So you have to stimulate insulin directly periodically and scarcity um, and necessity will force you to do that. Force you to do that. So, but we've eliminated scarcity and necessity. So people eat these exclusive sort of, you know, limited diets, uh, imbalanced diets, thinking that's going to make them healthy. Well, you've left insulin out of the picture. So we have to stimulate it directly. So by stimulating insulin directly, we're over time with the right foods, you're helping to make it more sensitive. So what will happen is, I gave the example of um, berries, for example. So what berries do is people who um, are taking in berries, um, and if you compare them to like control groups taking in you know other types of carbs, you're going to see that that glucose area under the curve looks the same. So it's like, well, geez, this is jacking my blood sugar. That's not good, right? But what you see when you when you begin to measure insulin is that insulin output is lower. So what you're doing is you're taking a, a smaller amount of insulin to deal with um, the same glucose load. So insulin is getting more sensitive over time. Okay, so we're doing that on day one. We're stimulating insulin directly, and we're priming the gut bacteria. Then on day two, um, we're shifting. What essentially what we've done is we have primed the body to fast by triggering the right gut bacteria, which amplify the AMPK pathway, uh, stimulate GLP-1. And then as you go into a fast, um, we do a little bit of fast, um, and then you eat foods that are very targeted um, that go at uh, GLP-1, for example, like eggs, uh, for example, um, or different types of foods that stimulate GLP-1. And at the same time, we're going after other hormones like adiponectin because those hormones talk to each other. And so you have a pattern of eating here just with respect to insulin that is taking into account the entire picture of insulin. We're taking into account glucagon, we're taking into account GLP-1, GIP, adiponectin, direct insulin stimulation, the gut bacteria. 
that's not done anywhere else. There's no other diet in ever that's ever put all that together into one thing and just made it simple. And so that's a, that's a, a deep dive into like just one mechanism, which is insulin, but there's a bunch more. Now, the simple understanding of it is just simply one day you're eating the less preferential foods. Okay. You're eating the roots, uh, you know, the roots and the fruits, <laughs> the fibers, mm-hmm. roots, fruits, fibers, the things that are less preferential. Let's face it. Like if you, if, if you stuck a, you know, uh, if you stuck a 33 ounce, like, um, you know, a uh, uh, chef's cut prime rib in front of me, I'm so I'm going to eat that, man, right. that's good. Right? right. So we're focusing on the less preferential foods one day. And then the next day we're doing a little bit of a fast and focusing on the more preferential foods. And that's the simplest way to understand it. And by doing so, what we're mimicking is going from less preferential to more preferential or mimicking going from scarcity and necessity to abundance. And that's, that's kind of a high level. And the, the, the simple way to understand it is morning is fruits and fibers. Afternoon is sort of starches. Uh, dinner is um, more, your, uh, more your cruciferous and things like that. And so it looks, looks it's almost, I, I don't want to use the word veganish, but, but it's a little more, little more on the plant world. And then the second day is more of fats and fasting and proteins, more of that. And, and that's the simple, simple pattern. Um, and then the way that uh, there's, there's, uh, there's umpteen different ways you can execute on that for different outcomes. Um, but but that, that simple pattern will slay all long-term, will beat everything long-term. Well, and that's one of the things I like so much about it is that, like you mentioned, it has an element of fasting in it. You know, on Tuesdays, I know that I'm going to, but not only that, by eating the right things at the right time, you can, which you, what I've learned from you is, is simulate your body will have the same response as though you were doing a longer fast, right? It's a more, it mm-hmm. gives more punch too. That's why it's called the amplified fast, right? It, it's got yeah. it's more impact than if you were just doing intermittent fasting, but then eating whatever the heck you want during your feeding window, right? Yeah. And, and interestingly, I'm actually pulling this up right now. Um, it, uh, on my Instagram, I, I, uh, I posted a, uh, so I went to chat GPT and I basically asked the right questions for chat GPT to just confirm that we could amplify fasting mm-hmm. through raising the right bacteria and chat GPT just nailed it, you know, just, just nailed it. Said, yes, basically that's correct because uh, the right bacteria are going to increase uh, and trigger uh, the AMPK pathway. They're going to activate GLP one receptors in the gut, short chain fatty acids are going to do this and that and all these things essentially, um, synergize very well with fasting. So uh, that is the amplified fast is that one day we are stimulating the right bacteria and then we're going into a very short fast so that the benefits of fasting are tremendous. Uh, the detriments of fasting are catastrophic if you do it too much. And so you, what where we're at right now is you have um, you have a class of people, um, let's call them the 2015 class, or that's nah, probably about the 2017 class <laughs> that you know came into fasting around then, and now they're now they're graduating out, and many of them have just done it too much and and way too much, and they're having gut issues and they can't drop weight and all that. And it's, so it's again, you weren't meant to starve all the time. You weren't meant to just you know be in this imbalance of being starved. Like growth is very important and feeding is very important. So what we're doing with the amplified fast is giving the right amount of fasting in the right way um, and helping you to make the optimal bacteria in the right amounts without doing too much of it. And that's the idea. So what you mentioned one, and, I, and you know, you correct me if we, what we, on what we can and can't talk about because you're much more astute than I am, but I'd reached out to you about Ozempic because there's a lot of mm. people around here taking Ozempic. A lot of women mm-hmm. that my wife's friends with that are just wearing Ozempic and they're just melting away. So can can you talk about some, what's happening 
at the the metabolic level mm -hmm. with Ozempic, mm -hmm. what it's doing, and mm -hmm. what are some of the there. I, I mean, anything that I see, ha like I'm watching it in real time with a lot of people around here, and I just I'm like that can't be that can't be yeah. good. And so, I mean, you've you've taught you've spoken about it a little bit what the the natural and more prudent way is, but what are some things that people need to be concerned about with Ozempic and, and drugs like that? Uh, well, two things. Um, one is the ramp. Um, so uh, you have to have a really good practitioner who knows what they're doing. So in the ramp, as you're ramping it up, um, you have to get it just right. And if you don't, uh, it's not a fun experience. You know, it's, it can be, it can be not so fun at all. Like very nauseating. Um, not, not a good time. The other thing is <clears throat> The big problem is the problem that, that has always existed. It's the same problem that we had when HCG was a thing. Okay, so when HCG was a thing, what you had is, is doctors were sticking people on these, you know, little to no-cal diets, and then they'd drop weight. And it was a very incomplete picture of what the body really does in a season of um, body fat reduction. And th that, that is, a, is a beyond Ozempic topic, but Ozempic dovetails directly into it, which is that starvation has always been there. And the body is well adapted to survive seasons of starvation. And the body sees dieting and weight reduction as starvation. It doesn't see it as, oh, your diet, right. Let's get you to 7% body fat because that's what you want. Yeah, that's not how the body sees it. The body sees it through the lens of history and through the lens of what's stored up in your genetic memory, which is, oh, oh gosh, no grain for six months. Ooh, what are we going to do? Ah, grain came in. Let's eat as much as possible. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the, the complete picture of weight reduction, and this is, um, this, is one of the, this is one of the things the Keiko people have just completely missed, and it, they really need to be held to task for this because by not understanding this, you're hurting people. And that is the story begins when the weight loss ends. That's where the real story begins. So once you get to the desired weight, now the real story starts, and that's called the weight-reduced state. And that is a period, uh, four to 12 months, where the body's inherent genetic horsepower and all these other things are going to try and restore the weight because it thinks that you're trying to starve it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Ozempic um, could, could probably be a, an extremely useful and powerful tool set, I think, if used properly. Um, my fear is that there's no or very little knowledge, literally zero knowledge of how to cope with the weight reduced state that's out there. And so uh, you're seeing this applied across the board. You'll see people drop weight. Um, and then what you're going to see is over time, chronic weight cycling, because there'll be a rebound because you haven't adapted for the weight reduced state, meaning the body's self-defense mechanisms to protect it from being extinguished from starvation. Okay. You haven't, you haven't compensated for that. You have to. And if you don't, then in more cases than not, you'll just re regain the weight. And now the real problem where, and this is where we need to take a long view of things is that... <clears throat> The more, the more you do anything with the body, the more it resists it, essentially, you know, or, or it, you could explain it just through fibrosis alone. Like the more you use up certain tissues, they get fibrotic. Okay. Well, the more trips to the weight loss, well, the harder it is over time to drop weight. And that's because a lot of adjustments are happening in, in the body. It's the, the tissues getting fibrotic, all kinds of things are going on. And so, so all that to say, Ozempic, um, could be a fantastic tool, um, probably will, will, will help a, a, a smaller portion of people to make some permanent change. 
Uh, a larger portion of people will probably experience what most people usually do is that they'll get some benefits short term, long term, they'll start chronic weight cycling. That's because they're not adapting for the weight reduced state. So that would be my take on that. Okay. It makes, makes a lot of sense. All right. So one of the things I want to talk to you too about to kind of get out of the weeds of the uh, immune centric yeah. portion of it. Yeah. Is, um, I thought about you this week because I was reading a book called Natural Born Heroes. I don't, have you read this one yet? I think mm-hmm. you totally no. dig it because it's it reinforces something that you talk about a lot, going to fitness and how we should work mm-hmm. out and how we should move our bodies. Um, I know, much like me, you're a big sprinter, you know, and, and sprinting for longevity, sprinting to keep a youthful body. This book, man, I think you'd really like it because uh, Mc, McDonough, I think is like the, the guy's name that wrote it. Uh, essentially, it's a story about, these guys during World War II that were kind of like a band of misfit mercenaries that mm. uh, I think it was Churchill put together to go over and and defend the island of Crete by getting the Germans out, which was a real and it, so it talks about how the uh, the locals there how they use their bodies and how the, well how parkour the, how it was it came to the forefront during this era from France and just like ah. moving their bodies and being active using uh, uh, fascia. In, and understanding that kind of like the Bruce Lee concept of, you know, most of, you know, he, he what he said, what would Bruce Lee always say that his punches started at the end of his toes, you know, it's kind of so fascia usage and, and how these guys would like, you know, look just lean and fit and able to actually do things with their body versus just stand and do a bunch of curls or, you know, a bunch of squats. So mm-hmm. when it comes to the fitness aspect of, mm-hmm. the, of, of longevity, what are some recommendations that, uh, that that you have for the audience? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, it's it's been very interesting since the immunity code was published because I made this emphasis on real health and athleticism, and I, I kind of took bodybuilding to task, you know, saying that we we put too much emphasis on how good you look, mm-hmm. and that it's very possible to look incredible and not be healthy, not be athletic, not be you know, um, not be youthful. And so what I've seen is this really big shift since then. I've seen a lot of influencers are jumping on the athletic bandwagon now, and I think it's because they have to, because you know, we just we've just called out the truth. So um, that being said, um, there are key differences between young bodies and old bodies, and they're easy and super simple to understand. In the in the book, I I just simply talked about going from zero to a sprint. You know, like. Kids can do that. Teenagers can do that. Early 20-somethings can do that. Most adults would tear every muscle in their body if they tried to do that. So that being said, um, that's a thing you can work at. Like you could actually work at that. You could, um, you could, you could start from zero. You could start from kind of decrepit and creeping. And then if you, if you just were patient with yourself and just took enough baby steps and gave yourself six months, you could make a radical change in your athletic range, the, the youthfulness of your youthfulness of your body, so to speak, just by baby stepping your way into it. And then if you decided that's the one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to keep working on that. And you didn't overdo it, but you'd worked at it every single day. Then in about 10 years, the difference between where you're at and where you would have been would be shocking. It would be a hundred miles. Okay. By working on something that is, um, athletic in its nature is youthful is things that only young people tend to do. And so really what it points to is that if we're two things, number one, the body needs to be stimulated every day. 
every day and it needs to be stimulated in an athletic way every day. So that's very different from bodybuilding. Um, and I'm, a, I'm, I've been a lifetime fan of bodybuilding, you know, I'm, I still geek out watching Ronnie Coleman videos from back in the day. <laughs> I mean, like on any motivation, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like watching Ronnie going, yeah, buddy, you know, and all that stuff. So it's just cool. I'll dig it. You know, I'm a big, big fan. That being said, um, in terms of what is practical and what really translates in the real world for real people <clears throat> over time as a foundation, I think we've had it backwards because the fitness craze created this foundation that's bodybuilding centric. And I believe that the foundation should be um, really athletic centric. And then you could put bodybuilding on top of that. And that's what I've done going back a long, long way where bodybuilding is still in the picture, but most the, the basic things that I do are athletic in their very nature. You know, I do them every single day and I just keep doing them and keep doing them and keep doing them. And so um, the simplest thing is just, just a, a yoga flow at bedtime. I mean, that, that, that will change, will rock your, if you, um, and I, I have a, um, I, I have a few coaching clients that I work with, and you know what you'll see is that getting getting someone maybe in their you know 60s started on a yoga flow is very difficult. I mean, it's going to take you months just to get them to do the basic flow. But if they keep at it, and you just keep at it and keep at it, and then you get in year two, year three, year four, year five, you're talking about these radical transformations in their ability to move and walk and do the basic things of life. Okay. And that's what gets us in the end is you lose your mobility. You know, you lose your mobility. Um, what you see consistently is um, older people get mobility issues, which lead to falls, which leads to getting killed. Okay. Yep. yep. <clears throat> and so by preserving the body's athletic range starting today um, through, you could pick a, any number of movements, you know, to me, sprinting is the one that is the most energetic and the most energizing and the most difficult. So, but picking any number of movements that are athletic in their nature will radically transform the body. If you start with a little tiny step, almost embarrassing, like, like, ah, you know, like I, I can, I'm, I'm having to cheat my way through this, but just give yourself three to six months. And then the difference is shocking. <clears throat> you know, you, you, you can, you can never going to be that, you know, um, competitive athlete you were in your teens, maybe you're never going to be that again, but you can, you can get back much more than you think you can. I could not agree more. And one of the things like, so, you know, <clears throat> in Greenfield, you know, uh, mutual acquaintance of ours is he, he always talks about this. And if you look at like Ben's body and Ben's movements are like, that's what you should shoot for. You know I mean? It's very athletic. And, you know, and, uh, Peter Atia, he, he often quotes this crazy statistic that like to, to reinforce your point that if you fall and break your hip, it's something like there's a 40 to 50% chance you're going to be dead inside of a year. I mean, it's cra It's staggering how big, because there's a correlation between if you're fragile and you have low bone density and you fall, then your body is already, like we've talked about previously in this conversation, your body's already so inflamed, you're just not going to be prepared to heal the way you need to. And I know that, man, Joel, I feel better now at 48 than I did when I was like 35, when I very first started trying to do some yoga and it would kill me. I mean, it was terrible, but now doing the ancestral squats, I mean, it's kind of funny. I'll go up to, uh, our store and I'll have all the girls up there. I'll say, all right, girls, let's do our ancestral squats. <laughs> and they think it's hilarious, but I mean, just look, and then like one of my hardest and to the, to the listener, I'll tell you my most difficult, um, I guess exercise for lack of a better term that I do is just the, uh, sit down and up as fast as I can, you know, like let's mm. sit down, legs out, and then just the up and down. And it's, it seems like that's 
stuff we take for granted. But whenever I'm 85 years old, I want to be able to get up out of a chair quickly and nimbly, you know, and, and, and do these things. And so, and I, you've got to get this book, man, because the, the last, I think I'm on like the last chapter of the second chapter, the guy is almost saying exactly to a T what you just said. He starts talking about how in the seventies, that's when it kind of ruined the athleticism that we look for because he, he he compared he said i know one of a movie that you like he talks about han solo and luke skywalker never took their shirts off they weren't muscle bound but then all of a sudden a uh, pumping iron comes out with lou mm-hmm. and arnold yeah and then i remember those days and then all of a sudden uh flex and all these magazines came out and bodybuilding became the craze with weeder and all those guys and so all of a sudden we went from being athletic and able to move around to standing in one place and just swelling ourselves up. And then you look at the health. I mean, I know you you document in the immunity code very early on. So this guy that he should have been the picture of health, but he he died young. What was wrong? And so I, I'm telling you, man, if you combined this, the, this immune-centric approach to nutrition and, and how you manage the, what's going on, on the inside and then on the outside – you, you act like a kid physically. You do those things that we just assume as adults. Like and I was the same way, man. Whenever I started sprinting again, I was like, I thought to myself about a lot of guys my age, what they would look like at 48 if they tried to go out and sprint. I bet they'd be falling over and stuff. I'm like, I don't want to be that. So I think that's just something that people need to get a hold of. A lot of, just, a lot of this is just doing things that make more sense, like even the nutrition part, being more balanced, being, you know, it's not, and that's a, that's one that I had to get my blinders off because I was a big keto guy, you know, I mean, intermittent fast. I still will push my feeding window a little bit until uh, today was uh, big breakfast Wednesday. So I'll, I'll eat a little earlier, you know, I'll eat around 10 30 or 11. Uh, but it's, it's hard to get this idea that we can kind of eat and move and you don't have to go to a gym every freaking day. You can just go play and have fun while you're exercising. Right. Yeah. So you hit on something that uh, is we could do a whole podcast on which, and, and it, it's the thing that changed everything. And it's, it's the thing that's still, still messed up today, which is, um, the weeder era and, and the growth of bodybuilding introduced fakery. Yeah. Okay. As, as normalcy, like, and it was, it, and it's illusion. None of it's real. Like right. none of this stuff's real. Right. Um, I remember <clears throat> it was probably late nineties and I was reading a bodybuilding magazine and, and um, somebody asked a really famous bodybuilder, you know, it, it was before like the, the coming out and now everybody's honest. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Everybody's juiced sauce to the nines. Of course. Yeah. Yes. But back then it was still like, you know, asked it, asked a famous bodybuilder about like, um, uh, are you on steroids? And the answer was, uh, well, you know, there's rules for everybody and everybody should follow the rules. And, you know, this kind of like pseudo, uh, Marmy speak mm-hmm. that was just dodging the question. Um, but the problem that still exists today that's that's part and parcel to the fakery is that it's possible to um to to do what I do. It's possible to um get get paid to be fit. Okay. So where are you have your day free to pursue being fit? Okay. And then you have all these things you could do. You can take, you can, you know, all this, the liver kinks and all this say, stuff you liver can do. Liver yeah. prove that pretty well. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's but it's just been reproved over and over and over yeah. again. He's just the latest in a long line of of people, you know, along those lines. I, the guy in my book I read about Simon was kind of like the Liver King prototype. Right. But the point is, um, it's possible to look a certain way, and that has and and so for, so we we all see that that look and we think, well, gosh, you know, gosh, I want to look like that, and if I did, it would be great, and blah blah blah, you know, and we associate that with health and all this stuff. And the truth is. Um, health has nothing to do with it. Very often, you know, it's, it's possible to look incredible and be the unhealthiest person in the room. Um, very often it has nothing to do with, um, keeping the body young. You're probably aging faster, has nothing to do with being athletic, um, has nothing to do with anything that really actually matters. And then to top it all off has nothing to do with any life anybody actually lives. In other words, what you'll see a lot of are these secret formulas for, you know, do my thing, blah, 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 blah. And and you can make that, you could, you could say that to me. You could, you could uh, could say, oh, Joel, wasn't that you too? Um, To which I would say, "Mm, mine came out of working. Mine came out of working 14 hours a day. That's why it exists. It wouldn't exist if I hadn't done that. Um, But the point I'm making here is it wouldn't matter what you do. It doesn't, literally doesn't, you know, the real secret, the real, real secret is two hours a day. And I have seen that hold true 1,000% of the time. Like when you look at what someone's doing and, and, and you know, it's like, well, no, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to eat like this guy do that. It's like, no, the answer is two hours a day. You're, you're doing an hour cardio in the morning and you're working out for an hour in the evening. Okay. That's the truth. <clears throat> that's the real secret is two hours a day. And then on top of that, a bunch of stuff like drugs and stuff. Okay. That's the real secret. And if you have an extra two hours a day and you have a bunch of drugs, you can look amazing. Okay. But that paradigm has so toxified our ideas about health. And then it's it's led into a lot of the problems we have with diet now where, um, as you know, having taken our course, you have a lot of first-timers writing books. First-timer syndrome is this thing where um, you could throw any diet at somebody who's never lost weight and they're going to look amazing. It could be any, you, you, could have, you could take an identical twins, throw one of them on a carnivore, one of them on a vegan. They both have amazing results, right? It's because they, it's not the diet. It's because they've never lost weight. That's why. So we have a lot of books written by first timers who've never lost weight. They lost weight. And then what they're doing is sticking out pictures of how good they look and all that stuff has no bearing on any reality anybody lives in. It's complete fakery. And I don't mean that they're trying to be fake. I just mean that the ideas we're buying into are fake. Okay. Um, We're buying into ideas that are taking us in the wrong direction because, and so I'm just, I'm speaking from hindsight. I'm speaking from, I mean, I'm older now than Charles Poliquin was when he died. There's a lot of fitness dudes who are dead that I grew up with. I looked up to, and now they're all gone. They're all dead. Okay. And so I've learned the hard way through hindsight, like, "Mm, this doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All this stuff doesn't, you know, sorry, I'm ranting, but no, I think it's it's great. It's it's a great point because like one of the things that this guy mentions in his book was I guess it was whenever Sly Stallone got caught in Australia with like fifty vials of I don't know if it's Winstrol or or Deca or whatever it was, but he had a bunch of steroids. It's like to your point, yes, no, Sly Stallone looked like he could do a lot of things, but he couldn't do anything Rambo was doing in real life, and that's the thing that you know for me. You know, you, you talk about the two hours a day. I mean, you kind of just called out what I do is, you know, my cardio, my zone two training. I'll have a one day of, you know, do some heavy hit. But I'm going to work out twice a day. It's just consistency. It's consistency. And I think that if people would just understand and quit, quit overthink, just lit, make your – optimize your body to actually be able to do things, to lift things in the real world. Like, man, I did a deal the other day after reading this book. Um, I just went running through the woods. We have a, a really great – uh, bike trail near the house 
and man, I just took off and just sprint through the woods. You know, the novelty of the different terrain and having to be nimble. And then my next goal is to be able to just, you know, without notice, just run and just run, climb up a tree. Now people are going to think I'm nuts probably whenever they see No, I, do, I, I actually, I actually do that a lot. Like it's, whenever I'm around a tree, I just start climbing. Exactly. It's fun. It's, so it's what fun. you used to do as a kid. Exactly. Yeah, it's great. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think when people start to understand that this isn't just about, this shouldn't be drudgery. This should be something. No, just, and just do the things that you wish you could, you know, Mark Sisson, founder of uh, primal primal kitchen or whatever, you know, that that's what he does. Now he's out playing Frisbee golf on the beach and that's a workout. I mean, I'll, you know, if it gets intense enough, I'll call pickleball my morning workout. You know, it doesn't have to be drudgery and you want to be able to actually move and do things. It's not going to impress our grandkids if, you know, we're able to bench press 450 pounds, but then die, you know, before we're even 80. I, I just, that doesn't make sense to me. Totally agree. So, well, Joel, all right, dude, I know you've got a busy day. This has been so fun having you back. And okay. So I want everybody to know when is, uh, there's two questions about the new book, um, which I know mm. is more diet focused than immunity health, which I was like, I, like I keep saying is a great, great, just reference book. It is a textbook. Um, but the new one, was there anything, is there anything that you've learned since immunity code that you're like, oh, I'm rethinking that, or I'm actually even more convinced or any big differences. And what can people expect with this, this uh, book, the second book? And then also I want you to reiterate young body, what it is, where to get it and who it's for. Yeah. Uh, so a uh, new book, um, boy, massive amount of stuff I've learned, um, putting this together and the, the, you know, I think that's the, the rightful course of a book is, is really you're on this. Um, you, you start out to write about something and then, you know, in order to, to do the research, you, you learn a bunch of stuff you didn't know and, and that gets incorporated in it. So, yeah. Um, but, and so the, it, what the new research for the new book is just solidifying things um, that I already sort of was positioned on. It's just, it's just entrenching them more. Um, but as a, also sort of an interesting consequence is there's, um, there's a bunch of stuff that is, came from researching the new book, but it's really related more to the immunity code. And so there's a third edition that'll be coming out that uh, is a major, major um, update to the, to the book, just because there are, um, there, there are, um, there's some, and I'm not sure actually if I'm going to do, there's one part of it. I'm not sure if I'm going to do as a book after the next book or put in the revision of the immunity code. I'm not quite sure, but um, you know, some of the, some of the, some of the criticisms of the immunity code are valid. Like it's, you know, it's like, there's just a bunch of stuff in here and that's true. Like, like, you know, I, I had, you know, I don't know, 40 years of stuff and it was all there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so some of the stuff's being taken out, like the um, good example would be the, um, in the, in the index, the, uh, the the map of bacterial guilds. You know that's interesting stuff, but it that's interesting stuff. But it doesn't need to be there. Um, it doesn't need to be in the book. And so I'm taking a lot of that stuff out and then putting in things that are um, going to be that people have requested in terms of executing on. So when I wrote the book originally, um, to me it was jujitsu. To me, like the way you learn jujitsu is you go in and they start teaching you moves, but nobody teaches you like the A to B, how to win a fight because fights don't work like that. Yep. And and that was my experience of the real world was like, you know, eating is dynamic. You get situations thrown at you. And so the way I wrote the book was to equip you with different tools and you could apply them where you wanted. But what people really wanted was, no, give me the ABC. <laughs> they don't, I just, they don't I just care want that. why it works. They just, like, yeah. just tell me what to do. It's kind of yeah. 
sad. Yeah, exactly. True. So there's more of the ABC in that, but also some really important things I think that are um, very very important in the update that um, just go beyond some things. So, anyways, I'm I'm excited about that. And then, um, yeah, a young body. Um, is I, I, it's really underserved. It is it, it, so. Young Body is probably the best, the best longevity product um, ever made. I mean, I if you look at what it is and you do all the research into everything that's in there. Um, Sinclair came out the other day, and he's talking about um, alpha keto glutarate, mm-hmm. and he's talking about it like you know, it's this new thing and, and, oh my gosh, and wow, it reverses the aging in blood and it's beyond NAD. And it's like, that's been in that, 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 that's, that's old. That's been in young body for over a year now and with a lot of other things. So, so when you look at all the, all the things that are in there, what I'm trying to do really ultimately is to get everything down to about two lids, maybe three lids max that someone would have to open and could have incredible health um, from that. And so, you know, really for about, ultimately about 40 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, you could have incredible health because the way that, um, the way the products are structured is you don't take them every day, which is revolutionary for the supplement industry. That's, I just came back from the natural product show in Anaheim and I was walking around these booths and everybody's got the word daily on there. Of course. <laughs> daily. You know? uh, <laughs> and I, I was looking at these products, I was taking pictures and I was thinking, I should put this up because it says daily and you know, I don't want to piss these guys off, but it's like, everything's daily. Wow. Yeah. Whose idea was that? Is that was that was that the body's idea? Was that my idea? Or was that the supplement company's idea? Yeah, exactly. It's the supplement company's idea because it's called auto ship. Okay. Exactly so right. one of the things that's revolutionary about these products, particularly Young Body, is I'm telling you not to take it every day, and that's the, that's the appropriate way to do it. So Young Body is part of the immunity code. You take it on the amplified fast days, three days a week, and it is um, probably the the foundational thing I would take for like the one thing that I'm probably going to make sure is the foundation, you know, always going to have seasons where we're alternating things in and out, but young body is the foundation of it because it, it goes at aging in so many different ways. It's a, it's hitting aging probably in from 50, 60 different angles. And if you, if you do the research on each individual component in there, each one makes a case for being the best single winner. Like for example, um, white willow bark is in there and, and white willow bark's in there because aspirin beat metformin, beat doxycycline, beat resveratrol, beat everything in terms of reversing aging. Um, when they studied it in, in different types of life forms and white willow bark's a much safer form of it. So just, just that alone is like huge, but then zinc is in there because zinc, um, also performed in a similar way. And then NAC glycine. And so it just, it's got so much horsepower that, um, People love it too. Um, it's and what's interesting, interesting story here. Um, when you're doing supplements, typically the way you do them is you pick the one that everybody wants, and then you make that one. Okay. Right. Um, there was no market for this. There was no category for this. It didn't exist. Um, I and and it's it's me throwing out. You know, like I have to you know produce this thing. So I made the product with no market and no category pre-existing because. Um, it's the, it needed to be made. It's, it's the best thing we could make. And so that's why it exists. Not because there was this demand for it. There wasn't. Well, that's the thing too. Yeah. Cause everybody's so hung up right now on whenever they're trying to do, well, you mentioned uh, David Sinclair, and by the way, for those of you who don't know, David Sinclair wrote uh, lifespan, um, Harvard researcher, you know, they're all wrapped up on rapamycin, metformin. Some of those, it's like, should you, shouldn't you, what's the impact on, um, insulin and all that. One of the things that I think has to be hard for you, Joel, because as I've tried to become a coach of a lot of the stuff I've learned from you, 
you mentioned jujitsu. You don't want to be that person that just says, here, take this because I say to, but you connect all the dots. And so I got to believe in young body. That's why that's one of the things about your supplement research. Like I never took niacin before bed until I met you. You know, I never understood HIF one and how my body can be better oxidized at night and all these, all the things that are going on and how supplements actually play a role. Usually it's just, Oh, well, I read a blog or I heard a podcast that said, now we should all be doing this or be doing that as opposed to, Here's what here is the metabolic reaction happening in your body when you take this and why it's important. And so I got to believe that um, the the amount of research that has been gone into young bodies got to be just ridiculous. So yeah, and I, and you're right. I don't know of anyone that's actually come out and said, okay, here's a supplement that is targeting the aging process, and here's all the the data to back up why it works. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to add it to my protocol, and then also like you said. Eliminating lids, dude. I got a lot of lids down there. But, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it just makes it, again, it just adds resistance. It doesn't matter if I put them in a the little separator or not, which my wife always makes fun of me. So that's that's cool that it's combined. I know if you did it, it's going to be optimized. And, you know, the ratios will be just right, and it'll be it'll be perfect. So, so cool, man. And when will the book be out, the new one? It's always a tough thing to ask an author, I know. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I've, uh, I've got a little window here of a couple months where um, I've got, I've got, this set aside to, to, to get as much as I can get done. So I'm, it'll depend on this couple months, but I'm shooting for June. I'm okay. shooting for June to get it out. We'll see. All right. We'll see. Well, you know, I'll be one of the, uh, the, the first, the first, uh, purchasers can't wait. I want a signed copy. You know, I figure, figure as a student, you know, as a mentee, I, I, I should at least get a signed copy. I'll pay you for it, but I want a signed copy. <laughs> so, well, all right, man. Well, Joel, it's always great to hear from you, man. Uh, by the way, the most downloaded show of 2022, I guess it was it 2022. We had John last year. We had John for the first time. I think the most downloaded show of the year. So well done, my man. I think this one will probably be about the same. I really appreciate you taking the time, brother. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And let's, let's see if we can break the record. All right, I'm sure we will. <laughs> All right, Joel. I appreciate you. Well, that does it for this episode of the Jason Wright show. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a Texas Titan media production. Fourth wall did the music. And as always, Thank you so much for listening. Please consider going out to jasonrightnow.com and signing up for the Vitruvian Letter. Also, please go out to iTunes. It takes like 30 seconds to just leave us a five-star rating. It does wonders for the podcast. I would be so grateful. And with that, until we meet again, go crush it and endeavor to improve always in all ways. I'm out.